Finishing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, the media spent a lot of time earlier this week challenging President Trump's statement that there were MS-13 and or maybe Middle Easterners in the caravan that's headed north. I was asked about it, and I said it was inconceivable that there weren't. If we do not enforce that border, if we let those in that are in gangs, that are traffickers, drug traffickers, sex traffickers, they, local law enforcement, end up on the front lines. Okay. It makes every town a border town. It's not all people seeking asylum. And for those seeking asylum, I just want to tell them, please, for your own safety, seek it as soon as possible. Mexico is offering uh, asylum in refuge to everybody who's transiting through Mexico. If you are in fear for your life, please pick it up. Take asylum as soon as you can. Don't don't make a six-week journey at the hands of criminals to get here. The truth is this caravan is being advanced by leftist groups and human traffickers who have no regard for human life. And now, Stacey Washington. Yeah. I'm back. And it's Friday, and I hope you are super excited about the weekend um, and that you're going to get some rest over the weekend. Even if you're going to be working or you have other things to do, also take some time to get in the pew. If you are one of those people, and I have encountered people who have this story where they've been harmed at church in some way, um, bad relationships, things that have happened, and they've just been so wounded. And, you know, God is so close to the brokenhearted. And you should give church another chance. So it doesn't mean you have to go back to the church where the bad deeds occurred. You can try another church. There's a church out there for you. And there's nothing like going in. And once you, once you've been in a while, it takes, it takes a little time to get, you know, settled in and be, and feel like it's home, but it's worth the effort when so there's some Sundays where every Sunday, it's hard to get out the door. I, I don't know what it is. It must be the work of the enemy. You try to get out the door. And no matter what you do, somebody is running behind something is going on, yada, yada, yada. But when you get there and you sit down and you know how we are, you know, we humans, we have this thing about, you know, that's my pew, that's my corner of the pew, that's my row, whatever you so you go sit in the same place you always sit in. And you sit back. And you, you know, whether you're late or whether you're there early, when the music starts, and by the, you know, you start praising and worshiping and you're just so grateful to be there. And then when the pastor starts speaking, I know, especially with our pastor, oh, he's such a blessing to us. Oh, I just, I just thank God for him so much. He's such a blessing. Um, a gifted speaker with a heart, a heart of gold means it's a hard, cold heart. His heart is a beating, bleeding heart for the the members of our church and he is on it when it comes to speaking the truth, regardless of politics. He's speaking the truth from the Bible, biblical worldview, which means he'll comment on news of the day. Some weeks he won't utter a peep about it. It's what God leads him to do. And, and once you get to a place like that where you're, you're plugged in, it will feed your soul. And so I want to share that with, you know, there may be someone listening who's thinking, I can't go back to that church. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to go back to that church. Find another church that will feed your needs and and give you an opportunity to uh, gather together with the saints. Saturday evening services, okay. Sunday morning, Sunday midday. Uh, there's even Sunday evening at some places. Find one that suits you and get in there. And God will bless you for your obedience. He will bless you. Um, let's go to the phones really quick before we dive into, we have DHS Secretary Nielsen a couple of quick comments from her on the border. 
And unfortunately, I'm going to have to disagree with what she said um, respectfully, but I'm going to disagree. But right now, let's go to the phones. We have Matthew in Kansas. Matthew, thank you for calling the show. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Hey. I just wanted to say this MAGA bomber guy, you know, he sent all these bombs out to all these Democrats. Mm-hmm. But you know what I think? I think he's a CIA plant. He was, he was sent there by the Democrats to make the Republicans look bad. Hmm. Well, it could be. I mean, anything's possible. Um, I've heard some people saying, use Occam's razor. What is the simple answer is the correct answer. He's, a, he's self-radicalized and he did this and he's just a lone wolf and, you know, just accepted he's a Republican. And that could be so. But I would say... At this point, anything's possible. I don't, I don't know if I'm leaning yeah. as far in that direction as, as what you just described, but uh, you know what, Matthew? Anything's possible. I'm waiting for the real evidence to come out about him, who funded you know, the, the creation of the bombs, if anyone, who helped, like did he watch YouTube videos to learn how to make those, and what prompted it. And we should be able to find out more because they're, you know, they're probably already at his house just tearing it apart all day today. So we'll learn more. Um, Thank you for calling the show. So let's listen to DHS Secretary Nielsen on the coming border invasion. I got words, uh, and I respect her greatly, but I got words. It's number two. Uh, Once they're on this side of the border, what we intend to do, and I think the president's been very clear, if you do not have a legal right to come to this country and you come as part of this caravan and you come in our country, you will be returned home. The rules of engagement for us are the same as they've always been. Uh, for DOD, we're still in discussions and we're working them out. Uh, we're waiting to see what the caravan's going to do, uh, what numbers we're looking like, what the where they're headed. Uh, each port is different, as you know. Uh, but what we want to do is bolster it. At the end of the day, we want to make sure that what we saw in Guatemala, between the Guatemala and Mexican border, we do not see here. So if you have a legal right to come to this country... The way you have a legal right to come to this country is you have a legitimate claim for asylum. And the way to figure out if your claim is legitimate is to go to one of our ports of entry or one of our embassies or asylum centers and apply for asylum there. So if you approach the border without having done that, you do not have a legal right to be in this country. So what is she talking about? And you know what? I'm going to say it. I, I hope to goodness gracious People don't get triggered. But this is why sometimes it's women shouldn't be the ones in charge of these kind of military things, like things that have to do with um, the border and the military. Yeah, I said it. And I'm a woman, it, you know, I, but I said it. this is why when you when you have to sound nice and sweet or your feelings have to be all up in it, it, it not the job for you. We need a stern response to this. Not if you don't have a legitimate claim to be here, then you're not going to be allowed to stay. We're talking about 14,000 people. That will overwhelm our system. How exactly are we going to like get them out fast enough without them all disappearing into the interior of the country? I can't believe that's what she said. Now, here's a little bit more. I'm not getting worked up today, y'all. It's Friday. I am not getting worked up today. It's number three. We do not have any uh, intention right now to shoot at people. They will be apprehended, however. Uh, but I also take my officer and agent... Uh, uh, their own personal safety extraordinarily seriously. Uh, they do have the ability, of course, to defend themselves. I want to make it very clear we will absolutely not tolerate violence against Border Patrol in this situation. These are dedicated men and women risking their lives every day. I will not tolerate Mexicans or anybody else 
acting uh, in a violent way towards our men and women on the border. I won't tolerate it. I just won't. <laughs> and we're also going to be having tea and cucumber sandwiches right after this. <laughs> I'm wearing my aviators. I'm feeling super cute. And um, yeah, we're not shooting at anybody. Really? So the idea that their force might be met with unequal deadly force is a deterrent to violence. How did she get that job? Now, y'all know I have spent copious amounts of time on here lauding her when she's in the right. But it's, it's almost like, I'm not sure, is it her? She had on aviators in the clip. Maybe it's a body double just spouting off nonsense and Kirsten Nielsen just couldn't make it there because she had, you know, her tummy was hurting or something. What does she mean? Well, we're definitely not shooting at anybody. So we're going back to the Obama rules of engagement where we literally have our F-16s streaming out, breaking the sound barrier. Our pilots flying over live targets, locked on, ready to drop their payloads. And they would have to wait for the situation room to give them clearance to drop. And if they didn't get it, which often they didn't, they would waste 9,000 pounds of JP-8 and have to beat foot back home. Is that what we're going to do at the southern border? Have all of our troops down there with no guns and let them get beat up by Mexicans? Ah, I said I wasn't getting upset, and I'm, I'm not going to allow myself to get sucked into this melee of crazy that I just heard right there. What does she mean we're not shooting at anybody? How, do, how does she know what the military is going to do down there other than she's given them some instructions that they can't shoot? Why are they going down there to be punching bags for these angry villagers from from these know nothing countries? It's absolutely ridiculous that we have this as a response from her that she would make an announcement like this. They have to be dancing around their little cloven hooves tonight on their around their little campfires where they're camping out on their way up here. They have to just be like, well, we know we ain't getting shot. So you know what's up. We beat up the Mexicans at the southern border of Mexico. We bloodied their faces. We tried to break their arms. When we get up there, we'll do the same thing to those American soldiers. The only difference is, unlike the Mexican police, American soldiers have American moms and American dads. They're taxpayers and so are their parents and their sisters and their brothers and their wives and their husbands. These are Americans and they are tasked with and have agreed to, they've sworn an, o an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I don't know what Secretary Nielsen was hopped up on there, whether it's Mountain Dew or whatever else, but she's got to come back down to earth and start talking some sense or just stop doing these fluff interviews with Fox News. And y'all know I like Fox News. Nothing against it. But if wearing aviators and sitting outside on director's chairs makes you say stuff that doesn't make policy sense, don't do the interview. Do it in studio. Do it by phone. Or just don't do it. Announcing that there will be no deadly force as a threat of deterrence is basically like saying, come on through, come on through, gates open. We might have a few Americans standing there in your way wearing uniforms, but just mow them down. We want you here. As Kamala Harris says, we're a welcoming country. I just don't know who she is. I don't know who that woman was. I, and I know she's not working for the Department of Homeland Security because last I checked, Department of Homeland Security, I mean, they have their own military like apparatus. They have their own equipment. 
They have their own cache of bullets and whatnot that they've been stockpiling the entirety of the Obama years. He would have them buy up uh, different types of rounds of ammunition and stockpile them for their own use just to keep the bullets off the market so regular law-abiding gun owners couldn't purchase them. So it's not going to be for want of a lack of materials, hardware, you know, ammunition that they would not be able to shoot. So the president just sent 800 more uh, troops down to the border, which sounds like a paltry sum, especially if they have to use their bodies as the barrier. And in addition to the 800 troops, um, the, the president, and I thought this was pretty noteworthy. I'm actually flipping over here, flipping back to previous subject. Um, the president addressed the young black leadership summit and the people in there were chanting USA and really enjoying themselves. And I had a friend of mine ask me why I already explained that in hour one, you have to go back and listen to the podcast. I'm why I'm, I'm, I didn't apply to go and I'm not there. Um, but I think it's important to note that the media coverage, they're not going to give this the same coverage they would give as like when, remember when common went to the white house all those times, uh, and, uh, Van Jones, and it was always just this fanfare. And they used to talk about how cool Barack Obama was and how, you know, look at who he hangs out with and look how close Hollywood is to, uh, the president and all that. Remember that? Well, that is actually, um, like that's the way they treat their own. But when you have president Trump, who's supposed to be this horrible racist and also Hitler and also, you know, the devil's spawn and also all these other things that he clearly is not, they, they, they treat him, you know, like a stepchild. They even made that negative comment about what the people look like just because they were black. So I guess a group of black people, even if they're in the white house, even if they're wearing MAGA hats, even if they're young and professional and are dressed nicely, even then, if you're a liberal commentator or, or TV host, that still looks like a group of people who needs to be explained. No wonder all the liberal people are calling the cops on black people in their, in their condos and their, and, and at the pool and all that stuff. Yeah, that's the trend. You know, and we don't talk about that a lot on the show, how this person who happens to be white call the cops on this other person who happened to be black and he was trying to get into his apartment building and all that. We don't cover all those on the show because those are individual examples of people being foolish. But notice all the individuals example of those people being foolish. They're all liberals. The foolish ones are all liberals. The, the reason they say that all the Republicans are racist because they're projecting. The racism is on the left. They're the ones who are scared of black people. They're the ones who don't want to see us moving into their neighborhoods. They're the ones who don't. I can't be in a book club because I'm black. That's what some liberal chick told me once. I mean, I don't make this stuff up. They say the stuff themselves to prove they're racist. Anyway, when we get back, we're going to have Phil Cook, co-founder and president of Cook Pictures. Stay there. Lynn Ingram of Redeem Clean felt God call him to support the American Family Association. I'm a laundryman. I'm the son of a laundryman, too. I love clean clothes. I love the business. I love everything about it. This project was built exclusively to support AFA and AFR. There's no strings attached. Another thing that I would like to see come out of this is that I would like to see other business people feel a calling to support ministries wherever and whatever they do to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In addition to your regular AFA giving, Redeem Clean Laundry Detergent allows you to increase your support of AFA just by continuing to wash your family's clothes. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more, find options, and get Redeem Clean products at afastore.net. That's afastore.net. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. The U.S. Constitution reminds us that the responsibility for our government rests with we the people. In order for us to be effective, we need to know something about our government and our history. Citizens in countries ruled by dictators don't need to know very much since the major decisions are made for them, but we Americans should be educated and informed. Unfortunately, we are not well-educated and informed. A study done by the Woodrow Wilson National Fellowship Foundation discovered that only one in three Americans could actually pass the U.S. citizenship test, and I might add that you only have to get 60% of the questions right in order to pass the test. For example, a majority did not know how many justices serve on the Supreme Court. Nearly three-fourths could not accurately identify which states comprised the 13 colonies. And only a quarter even knew why the American colonists fought the British in the Revolutionary War. Most disturbing was the fact that young people perform worst on the test. You might excuse an elderly person for forgetting some facts about government or history, but less than one in five under the age of 45 could pass this test. In previous commentaries, I've proposed a solution that some states have considered. Require students to pass a citizenship test before they graduate from high school. Consider the fact that a naturalized citizen probably knows more about America's history and structure of government than someone who was born in this country. Young people in America cannot pass a citizenship test for one of two reasons. Either they weren't paying attention in class or they weren't taught this material in the first place. Let's require students to pass a citizenship test before graduation. We require it of people who want to be American citizens. Why not require it of students who are already citizens because they were born here? I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From Graceworks Pictures, Indivisible, based on the true story of Army Chaplain Darren Turner and his wife Heather. Rated PG-13. Now playing IndivisibleMovie.com. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Thank you so much for being here. Happy Friday to you. I love it when our next guest comes on. He's one of my favorites. He's the author of The Way Back, How Christians Blew Their Credibility and How We Get It Back. Phil Cook is the co-founder and president of Cook Pictures. Phil, happy Friday to you. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks. It's always an honor to be here. I love being on your show. You ask great questions, so it's fun to be here. I enjoy our chats, I have to say. I I love the entertainment angle. You know, you're coming from a different world for, for, for me. It's like, you know, I could I could actually interview you like we could sit and have coffee at some coffee shop and just talk for hours because I would just love to hear like what you know because you've done it's 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 hard work. So I'm working on a documentary with an organization here in the state of Missouri and it's on tax policy. And so we've been traveling all over and interviewing legislators and I'm going to get to travel wow. out of the state to interview Art Laffer, who is one of my, like, he's an economist, and he's like, to me, he's a rock star. And I've actually written about him in, in an op-ed before. That's how much I like his work. So I'm going to get to interview him. But I, there's so much that goes into making a 28-minute, you know, uh, documentary or, or puff piece yeah. or whatever someone would call it. And you do even longer form things than that. So I just have a lot of respect for it's hard work. The cameras, the equipment, the little <laughs> mini bus that takes everybody, including the equipment, all over the place. The guys, they have to be professionals. They can't be slackers. It's it's good yeah. work that y'all do. It's a lifestyle. We've done it all over the world. We've shot in about, we produce programming in about 60 countries around the world. And what you'll find is film crews, video crews, no matter where they are, they operate the same. They have the same rules. They're very similar in the way they respond. So it is, it's like a, a Bedouin camp, you know. We, we all just move in for, 
four months, three months, six months, whatever, and uh, then move on to the next project. So it is kind of fun. And you bring everything. That's what every time we shoot, they have the big thing that the camera goes on and it slides from side to side. I have no idea what any of it's called. All the cool stuff, the lights. I get a kick out of the crew. They bring their raincoats. They bring overcoats. They bring everything, folding chairs, whatever they think they'll need on the set. They flashlights. They got them. And the tiny coolers. So my thing is I always bring enough water to get me there. And then we're on the set, and I'm thinking, I'm dying. And someone will walk up to me with an ice-cold bottle of water and go, here you go. We brought water. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You guys, I forgot to bring anything. I just brought one, and I already drank it. They're like, we have water. What else do you need? I'm like, nothing. It's just, yeah, it's awesome. So let's talk about, um, you have this, philcook.com is your website. Listeners, the the website's philcook.com. It's what about me too and pornography. Now, this is a little bit of tough subject matter. Phil and I will keep it clean, but I just want to give you a little heads up that that's what we're going to be talking about. The Me Too movement and pornography. Um, tell us tell us what you're talking about here. Well, it's interesting. I just When I sat down to write it, the thought has been banging around in my head for a while. You know, the Me Too movement really started here in Hollywood, you know, with Harvey Weinstein and the leaders here that have just been incredibly abusive and taken advantage of women for so long. But it's interesting that as the Me Too movement has developed to politics, to church, to business, to all kinds of places, nobody's really talking about the incredible impact of pornography out there. And uh, it's interesting because pornography, I mean, there's just mountains of research that indicate the kind of impact pornography has, particularly on younger people. And so to try to avoid that, I even brought this question up on social media not long ago, and and a, an angry feminist jump on, jumped on me that, you know, hey, pornography is fine. It's voluntary. Women do that of their own free will. But then if you talk to Christine Kane or someone like A21 from a human trafficking ministry, you discover, well, that's not always the case. There's a lot of coerced things going on there. So it's just interesting to me that these are questions that nobody seems to be talking about in context of Me Too, but I think pornography is changing our expectations of women, certainly for young men who are growing up. I mean, there are studies that indicate young people today see their first pornographic website by age eight. And a generation of young men who have grown up seeing this, and I saw one site, in fact, I think I mentioned it in the blog post, that up to 80% of pornography is violence-driven, it's very rough, and that's just not something that we want young people to see and what's going to happen when these young men grow up and they expect all women are going to be like this. So I don't know. It was just a question I brought up and it sure generated a big discussion. That's for sure. So what, here's, here's what I, I, because you you said a lot there and I totally, I'm on the same page that you're on Phil. Um, and that's because I've spent some time reading. Um, eight is, uh, that's a new number for me. I, I thought the number was 12 by the time kids were 12, every one of them had seen something pornographic. Um, eight, that's disturbing because if you think about what an eight-year-old child is, for them to see something like that, yeah. it's just unfathomable. But the other thing that no one's talking about, and especially it's interesting to me that people on the left and people who are – maybe they don't feel they're political, but they call themselves feminists. They seem to love to tout science. Well, science has shown that watching pornography changes the brain chemistry of men so that the part of the brain that lights up when they see women after they've watched a certain amount of pornography, it has to be a habit for them, it lights up the part of the brain that sees a woman as a tool. So when a man looks at a drill or you know a bench press or something like that, that is 
a tool. He recognizes that as a tool in a certain part of his brain. When a man sees a woman, it's not the same part of the brain as that that lights up unless he has a pornography addiction. And then when he sees a woman, he also sees the same part of the brain, a tool. It also changes the amount of stimulation that's required for a person to, you know, be happy with what they're doing. Pornography right. increases the the but it's like a gateway drug. And the more of it you watch, the more of it you need to watch in order to be satisfied. Um, these are scientific facts. They're, it's not like right. preliminary stuff. It's, it's factual. Why wouldn't that be something that pediatricians and, uh, you know, internists are talking to people about to help them know that they're changing their brain chemistry if they're engaging in watching pornography? You're exactly right. It's interesting that um, pornography use increases marital infidelity by 300%. So think about that. Just 300%. Uh, marital infidelity. In fact, more than half divorces happen because one party says the other has an obsessive interest in porn. So when you look at those kind of numbers, just the impact it's having on marriages and families. Um, I, I read one, one study that said one in 10 kids under 10 years of age have been exposed to porn. Uh, 10% of seventh graders have experienced problems because of porn. Um, that's just, and, and one study indicated it's only two clicks away from most popular websites. It's, it, that's what's shocking to me. How many parents allow their kids to be unsupervised on their computer or unsupervised with an iPhone or a mobile device? I, I see little kids with pad, uh, you know, iPads all over the place, and there's, you know, Twitter has it, social media has it. It's everywhere. So it's, it's something that we need to be much more intentional about. If we're serious about women, if we're serious about honoring women, if we're serious about the Me Too movement and the goals we're trying to achieve with that, we can't leave out porn and what that, the, the threat, that's a good word, the threat it is to, to making that happen. And so why would women who claim to want to protect other women, women who are part of the Me Too movement, why would they be so hesitant to call out the connection between the increase in people who watch pornography because women watch it too and the connection between that and the high number of people who are sexually trafficked on uh like the super bowl the the day of the super bowl the weekend of the super bowl or the high number of people who are sexually trafficked into this country from south america they want to come here to live a better life but they end up being sold into sexual slavery once they arrive and they end up in pornographic films they end up in brothels forced into sexual slavery and so Me Too doesn't seem to have an opinion on that. No, I, I've been thinking a lot about the fact that the, the, the sexual revolution that really grew so big in the 60s, the sexual revolution is just going to lead this country down a really, really bad pathway because it, it simply means anything, anything that stops you from achieving fulfillment, what you think is fulfillment sexually, is, should be stopped. So anything that, you know, I should, be have, I should have total freedom sexually, uh, to do it in any way I want. If I want bondage, if I want violence, Mm -hmm. if I want whatever, I should be able to do that. And I think a big reason that that a lot of uh, feminists are are against anything, any kind of stopping pornography, is simply because they view it as another expression. Uh, The sexual revolution is just, there's really no end to what people want to be able to do sexually, and we should have that freedom, regardless of its impact on families, regardless of its impact on children, regardless of its impact on women. It, it, you're exactly right. It's a fascinating question, a real irony in that whole women's movement that I think should be addressed. And so, what I mean, so what's the answer? Because I kind of feel like, in a lot of ways, with Me Too, kind of they started off in one area, like the Harvey Weinstein revelations and all of that. That was kind of like, 
it was overdue. It was a bubble that needed to be exploded. And, you know, the mess was where it, wherever it landed. And we needed that because a lot I've, mm-hmm. I've always suspected that Hollywood was kind of that place for many people. Um, but but now we know for some people that was the reality. Harvey Weinstein was a predator and he just all yeah. over the globe, really. That's fantastic. That is what we want. We want Absolutely. evil to be exposed. But then you see some of the Me Too movement. It's just about accusing anyone who's a really big star and just taking down men you don't like or men who didn't give you a part you wanted. And then and, and when they start going down that road, I've kind of been like, I so I can't be affiliated with that because that's just vindictiveness. That's just um, just, you know, retaliation for things that right. sites perceived or unperceived. How do we get or is it even possible to get the Me Too movement to morph into something that truly represents victims of sexual assault and, and harassment that is actually productive, that serves a purpose? Or is is that ship already sailed? Well, you know, as you know, human nature being what it is, we always seem to go to extremes. We swing one way or the other, and we go all the way as far as we can. And so I think that's a result. We're seeing in Hollywood, for instance, that people are starting to ask the question, does, you know, does an inappropriate comment, does just being stupid at the Christmas party, just, you know, touching somebody on their shoulder or just making them feel icky for a second, does that warrant a life sentence? Does that mean your career's over? Um, because some people are just ignorant, some people are stupid, and while we want women to feel completely safe, there is a question of where we draw that line, because for every woman, I think it may be quite different. And so it's, I think it'll be a long time before we really work out where we find ourselves, you know, where in the middle is this the right place, because there have already been a huge number of counter-lawsuits uh, against women, you know, m- some of the men that have been accused are now suing back, and sometimes I think they're probably right. Sometimes I think they're probably wrong, mm-hmm. and you just never know uh, because I don't know enough about individual situations. But it's a tough question, and I think a lot of women should feel free to speak up on both sides of the issue. Um, otherwise, I think it, that ship may sail pretty quickly. We need some some uh, we need some common sense and. You know what I really think is that the problem with Me Too, um, and there's a lot of things that you know we could we could talk about, but I think the core issue is that common sense women, women who really do have a strong voice and and are leaders, are not willing to attach themselves publicly to the movement or do real hard work within the movement because of the, you know, the way that it's veered off and it's not, it's just into you know. Yeah. That, that man needs to be taken down. We've taken we've taken four hundred scalps. Someone was tweeting, and I'm like, scalps? What? Yeah, <laughs> Wait a it's not about that, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's well, and here's the other thing that I, I would that, that I would love to see happen, and that is Terry Gilliam, who's a brilliant British uh, film director, said uh, not long ago that uh, he said, you know, we, we've heard so much about women that were uh, abused or taken advantage of. Uh, he said, particularly in Hollywood. For many of those women, it was a transaction. I mean, they got something out of it. They got a movie part. They got a role in a television series. They got something else. He said, the women, and and he said, even though that's icky, even though it's weird, the the women chose to do it. He said, what I'd like to hear from are the women that said no. You know, when they went in to audition with Harvey, when they went in for a meeting with Harvey, and he, you know, did something inappropriate, did something stupid, did something sexual, who are the women that said, you know what, my integrity is more valuable than this, and walked out the door? Um, that's an interesting statement. And so there's, there's just a lot of voices out there talking about it. And it's, it'll be, I'm curious to see where it goes. I'd like to hear more. I know, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was protected by Brad Pitt from Harvey Weinstein. 
So she didn't yeah. have to, you know, have the transaction. Um, and then also Stacey Dash, who is now a conservative political commentator, but at the time she was a Hollywood actress, her brother, actually, when she met with Harvey Weinstein, stepped between her and Harvey and said that she's not one of yours. You're not going to be able to, you know, play around wow. over here. Now, that could also be why Clueless was her only movie, because she was fantastic yeah. in Clueless. And you would think with her looks and her the absolute it was just a great performance there that she would have had other roles in Hollywood. Um, now, Gl Gwyneth Paltrow is a different a different story because of her background with her parents, both being Hollywood elites and her you know connections there. She could still make movies without Harvey Weinstein and he would want to cast her because that was something that benefited him. But with Stacey Dash not having those connections, her her career really fizzled out. And can we draw that it's from that? That those are the kind of things I would love to know. That's really true. That's really true. And and what's interesting in Hollywood, I can tell you, this happens in so many ways. My wife, Kathleen, is an actress, and she was for many years very active and doing commercials and promos and TV shows and things. And she got a national spot for a major major fast food company. The, the, the lead role in a national commercial. It was great. We were thrilled. The night before, um, the com this co company called her and said, you know, we like we have salesmen in the field, and after you've done the commercial tomorrow, we'd like you to maybe take your top off and do a version of it for our guys out in the field. They, they kind of have fun with it, and they'd love to do it. And she said, sorry, you cast the wrong person. And he blew up. I mean, he said, I thought you were professional. I thought you were a serious actress. And he just started intimidating her and just yelling at her. And I thought young actresses are, are faced with this on a regular basis, and so uh, it just it comes from it, it, uh, this was a national commercial for a big company, and so you think you would never expect that, and yet it does happen out there. So I always tell people in the industry be vigilant about that because it's better than it happened that it happened with my wife on the phone the day before than when she got to the set and was surrounded by crew people and executives and tried to intimidate mm -hmm. her. Always know oh, wow. your boundaries long before you ever walk into a studio. Yeah, and you know what else? Um, she had you, so she could be much more confident yeah. as opposed to someone who's single and doesn't have any backup. That's true. Excellent story. I So, as, as usual, fantastic. Thank you. Thank Love you it. for coming on. PhilCook.com, you guys. Go there. You have a great weekend, Phil. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Stacey. See you later. Bye-bye. Right. Talk to you later. Okay. We'll be back with more. Last segment of the show right after this. a minute with Stacey Washington. Americans have watched in horror as Judge Brett Kavanaugh suffered a political hit job, a smear campaign intended to derail the nomination and energize Democratic voters. At first, it seemed to be working, but just three weeks later, voter enthusiasm on the political right is surging. People are engaged and outraged with righteous indignation at the low politics in evidence. God's word has a thing or two to say about setting traps to ensnare others. Don't do it. If you set a trap for others, you will get caught in it yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it will crush you instead. They spread a net for my feet. My soul was despondent. They dug a pit before me, but they themselves have fallen into it. He who leads the upright along the path of evil will fall into his own pit. 
but the blameless will inherit what is good. The trap set to destroy an innocent will only catch you. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Netflix continues to ignore the outcry about 13 Reasons Why. The American Family Association, along with Parents Television Council and several other pro-family groups have reached out to the streaming service, urging the cancellation of their program. Netflix has not even responded to our letter. Instead, they released an even more vile season two and are producing season three. Netflix CEO Reed Hastings says their program is engaging and that it fosters discussion of taboo topics like suicide and sexual assault. But at what cost? 14-year-old Anna Bright and several other teens have committed suicide after watching the show. Hastings calls our objections propaganda. Does he feel the profitability of his company is worth more than the lives damaged or lost because of his show? Please sign our petition to Netflix, learn more, and share our action alert when you visit afa.net. And pray Reed Hastings will recognize the dangers of 13 Reasons Why. I'm Hank Weinblum tossing a flag on your word of the week. Interference, a frequent penalty in football, an occasional game-changing play in baseball. He leaps, and it is out! It's... they may be calling it interference. That's from TBS. The word is from French, entreferir, to strike each other, like that NFL pass interference penalty. Or if some radio signal gets in the way of you hearing me right now, that's interference. A meddling mother-in-law interferes. In politics, Kellyanne Conway says... We're not trying to interfere. Or think obstruction of justice. It's something President Putin denies. People are talking about the purported interference of Russia with the election process in the United States. Russia, as a state, has never interfered with the internal affairs of the United States. Trying to stay out of the way with your word of the week, Hank Weinblum, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's pretty obvious um, to most people that there, a wall would stop this kind of thing from happening, or at least people getting through. That's what used to be the case in, in uh, California, across the border from San Diego and the nearby uh, places there. People used to gather en masse and just run across when the sun went down. And when they put in the triple fencing, People couldn't do that anymore. It's one of the most controlled parts of the border that we have. So we need more barriers like that to prevent these kinds of things from happening. But this caravan is also headed for the legal port of entry and aiming to take advantage of our laws and policies that have been applied there. And so we do still need changes in the law to give the government more flexibility in dealing with people who are applying for asylum. And, and not and only so giving... That's a different problem. Not only giving, you know, our government more flexibility, also uh, we have to talk about the kind of message that this could send to other countries. That's exactly right. And the message has is already out. We've seen lots of, in, of, of other countries, people from places like Bangladesh, 
increasing the numbers of apprehensions in uh, other parts along the border, especially Arizona. We're also hearing reports now from the northern border um, of people from Romania, for example, uh, hundreds of people arriving at our northern border and asking for asylum and coming in that way. So the message is out to the rest of the world that if you show up at our border, you can get through by asking for asylum. And, and we cannot continue to send that message. Yeah. So all I have to say is I'm in fear for my life. And then boom, you're in. And we just, there's no tracking. It's just like, oh, the automatic in. We're already letting a million people a year in here. Do you understand what that means? A million people a year? We also do have babies in this country on our own. And coincidentally, that immigration number for lawful immigration, obviously it doesn't include the refugees, asylum seekers, and illegal entrants. Add to that the fact that we abort 958,000 people a year. So do you, see, do you see what's going on here? We import people from other countries, people who fly the Honduran flag, people who have no interest in learning how to speak English or becoming Americans. Meanwhile, we're killing off our own. Do you think it's a coincidence that we're sowing seeds of lawlessness and death and destruction by the, the ab abortion debacle in this country and that we have problems with our border, that we have impotent leaders who can't seem to get anything done? It's not an accident. When we sin, we receive the recompense for that sin in real time as a country. As a nation, God pays out the good and the bad right on the spot. And people are surprised. They're like, I... I just don't understand why we have school shootings. You don't? Are you unaware of the Gosnell horrors that happened? Are you unaware of Planned Parenthood selling fetal parts to our U.S. government and our colleges? Rape epidemic on college? Colleges that purchase fetal remains so that they can graft them onto mice? It's all connected. And, and so instead of getting angry because I'm pointing it out, it's time to get onto the prayer warrior program. That's where we're praying and interceding and begging for forgiveness, asking the Lord to heal our land. Now, this was Jessica Vaughn. She works for the Center for Immigration Studies. She was on Fox News, and that was the, the clip you just heard. And, um, you know, she's right. The wall does stop the incursions. That's why San Diego doesn't have the same rate of illegal immigration at that section of the border that it's next to because they put up fencing. And there's also video out um, online of the first section of wall that has been completed under President Trump's work that he's been doing to try to, you know, shore up places that don't have wall. And we, I'm just so glad that, that he's even gotten some of it done. Now, Understand that if someone is an illegal immigrant or wants to be, they're going to just go to another section of the border that is not, uh, you know, fenced, that that's, doesn't have a wall, and they'll enter there illegally. Or, as she said, it's so much easier than trying to, you know, cross the desert in the middle of the night and dying of dehydration. Just go to the center and say you, you're filing for asylum. That's what all 15,000 of those people plan to do. They're not going to... Uh, bother with trying to cross areas that are dangerous that people die in. I mean, can you imagine American ranchers in this country who live on our southern border? They often will go out into the, their property, 
ride out on horseback, ride out on, you know, get in their Jeep and ride out on their property. And they find dead people out in the, in the, just out there, just on their property. Dead people who have died of dehydration, whatever. They've died on their property. I mean, and, and it's bad enough. If you, if you have any, um, any kind of space in your yard at all and you've ever had a deer pass away on your lot, we had that happen uh, about six months ago. And I mean, it was just so as soon as we saw it there, my husband went out and took a look and then we called over to our municipality where they will have someone come out and take the deer and they sent someone, but he didn't come until like it was almost two full days after we called. And I'm just not even going to describe what was going on in between our phone call and what happened when they came and picked it up. But I mean, this is just. Like you, you're wondering to yourself, is this America? Is this America? And I don't know who is calling me at 349 when everybody and their grandma knows I am on the radio until four o'clock. So you will go to voicemail and you probably won't get called back until Monday just because you ain't right. So it is wrong for us to have this going on. And the election that's coming up is a perfect time for, let's say you've been um, you've been voting based on, you know, any number of different things. And there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. If you're if you are coming to the realization that maybe your voting patterns don't reflect a Christian worldview and you've been reading and you've been, you know, doing some studying and you're like, you know what? I, I know I know God has better for me to do with my vote. I need to vote in a godly fashion. Today, David Barton of Wall Builders was talking about how you have to vote for religious freedom. You have to vote for uh, people who. There's three, so there's ten commandments, and out of those ten commandments, three of them. So you want to vote for people who are in favor of life from natural birth, from from conception to natural death. You have to vote for people who are against murder and any policies that facilitate murder, um, the killing of innocents, and you have to vote for people who are not going to in, in, infringe on the right to publicly express our faith and the public expression of faith that that reaches into so many different areas like for instance what the lgbt movement is trying to do right now which is they push out anything that has to do with christianity and they replace it with lgbt any person who would support that that's a person you can't vote for now you might say well what about this issue what about put put god's priorities first you're on the right path if you're listening to this program. You're on the right path if you're reconsidering your worldview, if you're trying to line it up with Christianity, a Christian worldview, which means the Bible comes first. But prioritize. There are a lot of things that if a person fits into my categories and they're, they're right on, then if they're not right on another area, I consider that to be kind of a challenge for me, praying for that person and also communicating with them to bring them to the right side on that one issue. But if the person is in the wrong on all of the biblical issues, but are, they're on the right side on the say, let's say they, they're against gas tax or they're against raising the gas tax or any taxes at all. Well, sure, that's an important issue, but that's not the issue that I'm going to be at the judgment seat. Well, you voted for um, someone based on their taxes, and that's way more important than the issue of whether or not they support abortion. That's just not what's going to happen. And. We're all going to be held to account for every word, every thought, every deed, and every vote. And I don't want to be responsible for you. I'm, I'm telling you the truth because, first of all, the truth cuts aside all of the other nonsense, and it lays bare 
the motives of the heart and the uh, and it gives you the ability to make the decision you need to make. And then the other thing that happens if you're if you're listening and you're thinking, you know what, I'm starting to feel a change. That's how it was for me. I was listening to the radio, Christian radio, when I became aware that my political views and specifically my votes for certain candidates did not line up with the word of God. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, wow. So here I am, I'm pregnant. You know, my husband and I are searching for a church home and I don't know if I've been voting right. And I want to live for God. I want to have a Christian household where this baby is going to grow up and my husband's on board. And, but how do I keep voting the way I've been voting? And it really became an issue. I didn't wrestle with it as much because I didn't really feel like my identity was tied up in being a Democrat. It wasn't like for, for some people I know where being a Democrat is their identity. It's more important to them than being a woman or black or what part of the country they live in. It is their sole identifier that they are Democrats. I didn't have that much of a problem with that as, as it being like a descriptor for me, but I still felt like there must be something about the Republicans that was inherently bad because I didn't know anyone who looked like me who was a Republican. And so I started looking up the party platform. I started looking up the individual candidates. And I remember on the candidate side, um, I just started reading what they were actually talking about doing. And the things they were talking about doing really lined up with what I already believed. I was kind of surprised by that, that they were talking about issues that I agreed with because I assumed I couldn't be agreeing with them at all because I was a Democrat and they were, you know, Republicans. And so, you know, in the end, it's not about Republican Democrat so much as it is about what God's word says. And I did compare. This is what God's word says about pro-life is what it says about not coveting your neighbor's ox or your neighbor's wife you know, the, the whole taxation thing. Um, uh, there's every issue. God's word has the answer. And if you go with that, you're never going to be wrong. First of all, with your biblical worldview, it'll be right on point because you're going straight from the Bible. You don't have to worry about what happens at the judgment seat. And you can also, it helps you, you feel so much more assured of what you're doing. And then you know, look, I voted based on these biblical issues. So if you don't identify with the Republicans or if you, you know, whatever your problem might be there, it's not about the Republican party. It's about this candidate on these issues lines up with the word of God and this candidate doesn't. And then you make your choice. And if you end up voting for one side more than the other, you can still be an independent because there will be times, especially if you're living in an urban area where the choices will not be as, easy to make. It'll be more nuanced, but your only options will be Democrats. And we were in that situation when we lived in the city of St. Louis. And so I had to choose the least radical Democrat to vote for, but we still voted. And we still voted, you know, that we would vote for Democrats, even though we knew by then we were, I was like, we're, we're basically like Republicans. We're independent Republicans or something like that. But we were voting for candidates who were not radical, who still had some bedrock beliefs. And that's harder and harder to find on the left. But it still doesn't obviate your responsibility to make that choice. So it has been such a busy week. And I wanted to check and give you a little bit of a preview for next week. On Monday, 
We're going to be talking to Amber Athey. She's a media and breaking news reporter for The Daily Caller. She's been on the program before. Super excited about talking to her. You know, we love The Daily Caller. Erin Hawley. Name sound familiar? Her husband's running for the Senate against Claire McCaskill. He's the current attorney general of the state of Missouri, and he is, uh, you know, he's been on the program. We've invited Claire. She hasn't said yes. Erin Hawley is an associate professor of law at the University of Missouri School of Law, and she's the author of Living Beloved, Lessons from My Little Ones About the Heart of God. She's joining us on the show on Tuesday. Um, and so that's going to be really exciting. We're going to get to speak with her. And then I have some other uh hopeful surprises for interviews for next week that I'm, I'm tentatively working on and I hope to share fun things with you about that next week. Um, but for, for all of it, I'm just super excited about the weekend and getting to have some downtime after a very long week. And I also wanted to encourage you if you're looking for something to read that is like a political buffet, think like the best buffet you've ever been to. Um, and, and we don't really eat at buffets that often anymore, so that's saying something. Um, the book is called Ship of Fools, and I got it on Audible, and I've been listening to it. It's read by Tucker Carlson, and I'm learning so much from this book about the history of the political left in this country and how we really need the political left to balance out the political right because there's a certain – like unfettered capitalism leads to things like we see at Amazon – where employees can't use the restroom, They're, every step they take is tracked. You know, the kind it's like totalitarianism working for Amazon, and it's the same for other com- companies. Apple's operations overseas in China, where lots of their employees commit suicide, that's unfettered capitalism. We need liberals to be against that. Um, it's a great book. I can't recommend it enough. So, Ship of Fools by Tucker Carlson. It's really great to listen to when you're doing your work around the house or driving uh, on Audible. Okay, that's the show. Hey, citizens, enjoy your weekend. Get in the pew. Get that tank fill up by gathering together with the saints. And I'll be back with you on Monday. See ya.